0: Welcome to Beyond Politics, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson with my co host, former US Congressman Paul Hodes. And the theme of this week, as we are kind of in the August political doldrums with Congress on recess and campaigns gearing up for the final stretch push post Labor Day, is where are we at and where are we going? We alluded on yesterday's show to the column from noted political analyst Amy Walter, who wrote that there's been something of a vibe shift recently for Democrats who are feeling emboldened by several things that have kind of fallen in their favor. The way she put it is that after months of Democrats are doomed to chatter, there's been a definite shift in mood and momentum toward Democrats, the party in power, and Republicans are openly fretting about their flawed and underfunded candidates. And her question is, is this just a vibe shift? Is this sort of an ineffable set of feelings that Democrats are going through right now, or is it real? Is there something in terms of the traction that Democrats are getting and can expect going into the midterms? So that's what we are going to dive through today. And we're very pleased to welcome back senior political analyst at Third Way, Eliza Astro, our previous guest on this show, who has done some in-depth analysis, polling work on some of Democrats' recent legislative accomplishments, and also is just a keen observer of everything going on in that nexus between what happens in Washington and the fallout politically. Eliza, welcome back to Beyond Politics.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: You know why it's such a pleasure to have you, both because we had a great show the last time you were on, and also because last time the theme of our show was all the follow-up to the Virginia and New Jersey gubernatorial and legislative elections last November 2021, which didn't go great from a Democrat's perspective. And we were doing kind of a postmortem and it was it was a pretty grim one. It wasn't it wasn't awesome. Now we get to talk about this very juicy question of aren't things getting much, much better? So let me just start kind of high level here. Are things getting better for Democrats? Are you seeing evidence that there has indeed been a turn?
1: So I think the answer is yes. I mean, Where we were after the Virginia elections was really a low point and it actually got lower. I think Biden's approval rating went further down after that. And it seems to be on the uptick. And so, you know, the number one predictor of how the House Democrats are going to do and and down ballot Democrats are going to do in the midterms is Biden's approval rating. And so the fact that Biden's approval rating is going up a few points is very good news. And, you know, Democrats are doing a little bit better in the polling now. And so this is in part because of, you know, a horrible travesty, which is that which is the Dobbs decision, which has helped Democrats quite a bit. So I'm hesitant to call that good news because it's, you know, very bad news for the American people. But in terms of Democrats, electoral chances, things are looking up a little bit.
2: So if if biden's approval rating is ticking upwards yes that's a good sign but is is that is that enough i mean if we're looking for good news out of washington dc that is moving moving races is it does it is is it is it about the dobbs decision is it about the new inflation reduction act or is it only the Biden uptick that you're looking at as 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 a reasonable predictor.
1: Yeah, I think I'm looking at a few different things. I'm looking at Biden's approval rating. I'm looking at these numbers around inflation and gas prices and whether or not, you know, gas prices seem to be going down. Inflation has been constant. So that, you know, the, the state of the economy and the state of inflation and gas prices is going to be you know, a huge predictor of what happens in the midterms, and the dog's decision is going to be a big factor. And then these, these bills that Democrats have recently passed, like the Inflation Reduction Act, um, primarily, you know, they, they don't tend to—passing legislation doesn't typically cause a huge swing. It's not going to be the saving grace for Democrats. I think that it might help a little bit at the margins. I think that Democrats have been struggling a little bit with concerns about competency and these headlines about Biden failing to pass reconciliation. And those headlines are bad and they look bad. So hopefully sort of getting something passed that's actually fairly popular will be beneficial. But I think those benefits are at the margins. They're not going to cause a huge swing one, one way or the other.
0: So the contention that I made, just kind of picking up on that theme in my recent article in Newsweek, which was all about, look, the Inflation Reduction Act kind of plugs a a couple of holes for Democrats. It fills in the center of their narrative about we're trying stuff, we're doing stuff that's going to help with voters. Number one concern, the economy and inflation. My contention was that in itself is going to be helpful, as you say, on the margins. It's not... It's not a motor for Democrats. It's more of a sail. If the breeze blows in their direction, now they have a better ability to catch it. And what really kind of drove my thinking on that was sort of the earned media environment. That's a point that Naveen Nayak made on this show two weeks ago. He's the head of the Center for American Progress Action Fund. And he said he's a big believer in that earned media environment, how much of a vibe people are picking up from news stories. And it, it seems like that's really what Democrats are looking for here is not so much that voters will make the calculus. You passed Bill X. Therefore, now we're with you. It's much more the end of the Democrats in disarray narrative and replacing it with, oh, Democrats are doing stuff the news is generally good, combined with the inflation improvement story. Is that is that sort of what you're thinking about as the mechanism here for how the political atmosphere could get better, just kind of a better drumbeat of news environment?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think that, you know, first of all, there's a better drumbeat of news environment. And also there's the avoidance of a very bad news environment, which would be the case if this had failed. So it's, if the bill had failed, there would be a headline after headline of, you know, Democrats couldn't get it together. Biden couldn't get get it together. He had staked his presidency on this reconciliation bill and it failed. And that is, you know, a terrible headline for a president to, for an administration to be seeing over and over again. So I think the fact that we, we have a success story out of this is really important. Also, just about the IRA itself, I was looking at some polling on the bill. And so, Recent polling showed that 42% said that the bill is a good idea and 31% said it's a bad idea. And so that doesn't sound that great, that only 42% seem to be positive on the bill. But that's actually a lot better than a lot of other signature achievements that, that you know, Congress might pass. Like the ACA was net negative when it was passed. And so the fact that, you know, first of all, it's great that the bill, that Democrats get a success story out of the whole, out of reconciliation and out of this Congress but also just the fact that the bill is net positive in approvals and basically voted like it's really important too.
2: So, you know, recently what I've noticed is that the IRA, yeah, that that was good news and there were some stories about it. And now, you know, it's not Really been in any headlines recently? So I suppose that's good news for Democrats because, as you said, nobody's talking about a bad news story for Democrats. So, so that's really good news because there's no bad news, and the absence of bad news is really good news. So that's 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 important. And on the other hand, what has dominated the headlines is Mar-a-Lago and search and and all the and everything that's been happening in Trump world. We've seen Rudy Giuliani besieged by reporters as he makes his way to testify. We've read news about Lindsey Graham on the defense about testifying. We've seen Donald the Donald invoke his Fifth Amendment privilege 448 times. And of course, there's all the fallout and blather from the search in Mar-a-Lago, which for Republicans, it seems to have coalesced them around their fearless orange leader. But for Democrats, it seems, and perhaps for independents, seems to have conjured up sort of the the underlying, an underlying story to the January 6th, because not only is Trump now painted as inspiring an insurrection and coup and participating in that kind of conspiracy, but he's shepherding nuclear secrets away to his private golf club. So, in terms of messaging and impact and what you're seeing, how much is that negative story about what's going on in Trump world and Republicans playing into this bit of an uptick from the positives for Democrats? Yeah,
1: I'm super skeptical. Unfortunately, I've become cynical over the past few years super skeptical of of the electoral impact of of any of this on trump i think that in the short term we will see a rally around the flag effect for trump and maybe he'll get a boost in 2024 republican primary polling and my thinking is that that's about it i don't think that it's going to hurt trump really with undecided voters and i think that among democrats among solid democrats you know Democrats are already as motivated as they could possibly be by hating Trump. And I don't think that anything could really make Democrats hate Trump even more. So I'm kind of skeptical that that is really going to move the needle at all.
0: Oh, that sounds like Other a challenge, Eliza. That sounds yeah. I, I don't know. I think Democrats could meet that challenge. I think there is something out there that could make us hate Donald Trump even more. Maybe. I don't know. That's <laughs> that's that's a tough one. I mean, you know, the discussion in recent months has been and i've i've had a lot of these discussions privately myself with pollsters with republicans and with republican pollsters who say everything is noise except for inflation it's the number one concern by a country mile and basically voters what they've done is they've taken a very complicated economic picture where we have historically and i mean historically low unemployment like the lowest in the last 50 years and great job creation, and other positive things that are happening in the economy. And they've just boiled it all down to, look, prices are going up. They're too high. Things feel unaffordable. I feel bad. And that overwhelming feeling is dominating the conversation. It's dominating the coverage. And it's dominating the electoral prospects for Democrats. So here's the big question from my standpoint. And I I honestly don't, don't know what to think. On the one hand, you could argue that we've now had a year of elevated prices. We've had a year of that being the dominant news story. And you could say that cake is baked politically, that no matter what happens now, voters are going to go into the vote by mail or or the voting booth in November with that dominantly on their mind. You could also say, well, wait a second. Gas prices have fallen 75 cents a gallon in the last two months. And if they keep going at this rate, we're going to be back down to last year's levels by election day. So that's the, to me, that's the big question here is if we continue a downward trajectory on prices, can that still have a major impact on the electoral environment? Or is the cake baked at this point?
1: Yeah, I think that it, it can have a major effect. I think that the, the direction of inflation and gas prices over the next couple months is huge. We forget here in, in Washington and in our political bubbles that a lot of people don't tune in to, to the elections until after Labor Day or even later. So that doesn't mean that memories of what's been going on over the past year will be totally erased when they make their voting decisions. But if they're not feeling, actively feeling significant pain from gas prices and, you know, less pain from inflation when they make their voting decisions. And meanwhile, other issues that where Democrats are on stronger ground, like abortion and maybe like some of these bills that were just passed, are gaining salience. I think it helps. So what's really on voters' minds like that day when they make their voting decisions and when they're deciding what they're going to do in the midterms, it it makes a big difference, even if the pain of the last year is is not canceled out.
0: So to an extent, just to follow up on that, if I mean, what Republicans have been saying for the last six months, at least, it sounds like that's kind of right, that the majority of this turns on prices. If if gas and food prices, if, if core, most important, I don't mean core inflation in a technical sense. I mean, the most important to voters, if the most important set of prices have settled back down and people are feeling OK about that, that's the biggest factor heading into the election.
1: I think so. I mean, it, it's sort of frustrating because there's like not that much that really the administration or Congress can do about these things. I mean, there's small things that they can do. But yeah, I mean, that's that's huge. That's like, you know, what people are feeling in their pocketbooks, like leading up to the election, it's going to be a major determining factor. You,
2: you know, it. what what I'm I, I, I'm I you're the expert i'm not but when we talk about pocketbook issues and clearly we know we know from experience there that, that pocketbook issues are really important and w- the hope for democrats is that if people f- see things are improving even if they haven't improved all the way but if they just see that things are going in the right direction maybe that on the positive side of the ledger will help people with their views about Democrats and the party in power. And we'll say, stay the course, because things have finally gotten on the right track, as opposed to well, whatever's going on for the better. I'm still paying twice as much as I was for a loaf of bread last summer. So we got to we got to have a change. One of the wild cards in all this, and I, I kind of talked about this, I guess, in the last question I asked you is, this notion that has popped up in the recent and there was a recent nbc poll and i looked at a screenshot of it and it said it said that the leading issue among people is is the threat to our democracy i mean when has that ever been an issue in the midterms let alone at least the people in this nbc poll are saying is their leading issue has have we got a new consciousness in the American electorate of the fundamental threat to the democracy that's being posed? And and I and I would only say that, you know, poll questions can can always be taken in a couple of different ways. And Matt and I just you know, we 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 did a show with a a a Republican of conscience, a conservative strategist and advisor to candidates who says, well, that could also be Republicans thinking there's a threat to democracy. So this poll is entirely misleading. Now, I pushed back a little, but what are your thoughts about this novel, novel issue and how and how it's playing into what you're seeing?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I was I I saw that poll, too. And I was also thinking, wow, I I wish we could do a focus group with the the participants of this poll, some of them to to understand what they actually mean by threats to democracy. It made me think about, so the last time I was on this podcast, we were talking about these focus groups that we did after the Virginia elections. And we started off those focus groups by going around the room and asking everyone what their, how they feel about the direction of the country and then sort of what their top issues are or what they're most concerned about in the country right now. And basically everyone said that polarization and division were their top issues and that they felt that we're fighting all the time and they don't even know what we're fighting about. So I think that, you know, some of those responses to the poll was probably about, you know, Trump and the threat that he poses to democracy. But part of it is probably about the tenor of things in politics and how we feel like we're at each other's throats. And I think that there was a lot of hope when Biden was inaugurated, that, you know, he could really turn down the temperature in politics, and maybe we could all get along a little bit better. And that hasn't turned out to be the case, even though Biden had a good amount of success, actually, passing legislation and passing legislation in a bipartisan way, you know, people still feel that we're really at each other's throats in politics. And so I think that, I think that that's, that's a big thing playing in there. There's a combination of, you know, Democrats who are, concerned about Trump and the threat that he poses to democracy. Republicans probably feel that Democrats throw the threat to democracy. And then, you know, people more in the middle who are just frustrated by, you know, how, how, how the tone of things is right now and how, you know, just it feels like we're at each other's throats. So that is a really interesting finding. And I think that people really are fed up with how things are in politics right now. But I don't really have a good answer for how we fix that, because the reality is that, we have some big disagreements in the country, and it doesn't seem like our politics is getting any calmer or less less charged.
0: So two comments about that. First of all, I totally 100% agree with the general tenor of your remark, which is I, I've always been very skeptical, especially of the kind of public opinion research that we see in public polls like this NBC poll, because we know that voter responses are so sensitive to question wording and all kinds of biases and question order, all kinds of things that we introduce into polls. You can get vastly different responses. And I just think that there's a massive amount lost in translation between pollsters and political professionals and real humans. There's not a, there's not a big overlap in that Venn diagram there. And what real humans may be saying is a little different than what pollsters think they're asking. And so it really, that, that, strikes a chord with me that what voters might actually be saying here is we just don't like any of this. We don't like any of what we're seeing and picking up there. It reminds me of an article I wrote now three years ago. There's a, there's an old saying, hope is not a strategy. And I pushed back on that. I said, well, for Democrats, hope is a strategy because under Donald Trump, the Republican Party's best election strategy is divisiveness. They, they benefit from polarization. They benefit from people retreating to their political corners and having kind of an absolute, it's us versus them, because that gives them a fighting chance to the extent that the vibe improves. And I think that's especially true per your point under Joe Biden, to the extent that the vibe improves, that maybe things are working and the temperature is a little lower, then people feel better. They feel less negative about the state of where we are. So that all kind of feeds back into what some of maybe what we're seeing in polls, which is this uptick both for Democrats on the generic ballot and for Joe Biden's approval rating. And that brings me back to a question for you now that I've gotten through that screed. We have seen in recent months this uptick in President Biden's approval rating. Now, Republicans privately tell me that there's a good chance that that's a dead cat bounce, which is like, you know, There's only so low you can go. And so anything that isn't negative is going to create a little bit of a rebound. But there's also a possibility that people are beginning to imbibe some of the positive accomplishments and this general sense that Democrats are no longer in disarray and are getting things done. To what do you attribute the uptick for Biden? And critically, part of Joe Biden's low approval ratings has been. Kind of low approval among Democrats. Do you see Democrats coming home increasingly now that we've passed some major pieces of legislation? And do you expect that to show up in President Biden's approval rating in the weeks ahead?
1: Yeah. Okay. So a bunch of a bunch of different questions. Bunch there. Of st-
0: I just threw everything at you right there.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you're basically <laughs> asking me about everything. Everything. Um, Explain <laughs> everything, Eliza. <laughs> Explain. That's, why we, that's why we had you on
2: the show. Yeah, right? you're right. You're the expert in everything.
0: Yeah. You're Stephen Hawking.
1: Great. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a few things. So I think the, the good media cycle is very helpful. And, you know, when we talked before this, you mentioned about climate change and, you know, if that's going to bring Democrats, you know, home to, uh, you know, Democratic voters home to Biden and that we passed this big climate bill. I mean, I think it's helpful, and I think also, you know, the media are, are highly educated professionals and are very concerned with climate change. So I think that, you know, th- there's a whole bunch of good stuff in the media that's gonna that's gonna come out of that's gonna ca- come out of the success of the Inflation Reduction Act. And also, something that I've been thinking a lot about is a status quo bias. So, you know, if you, you ask if if you know passing legislation is really gonna help Democrats. So what I think about a lot is that while maybe passing legislation might help Democrats a little bit voters status quo bias is huge in politics politics which means that voters rarely get as excited about new things as much as they get upset about the loss of existing things that they like and so I think that the Dobbs decision is really huge in that, in that there's a change in politics. There's a, a change in voters' lives and in, in the rights that they have access to, and they feel that loss. And so I think that, first of all, de- Democrats have had some positive accomplishments, but also voters have been reminded of how bad Republicans are and what they would stand to lose by electing Republicans. And so I think that those things are coming together to make the environment a little bit better for Democrats and for Biden. I don't think that it's a dead cat bounce. I think that these wins that Biden has had recently make a good argument for his competence and, and for his whole reason for being elected, which was that he said he could make government work a little bit better. But you know, it's still not great. I mean, it's still a low approval rating. So it, it, it's hard to say exactly that there, there's a lot going on in this environment. I've tried to, tried to tackle a few things there.
2: Is Biden's approval rating simply tied to the fact that we've been in this period of inflation? Is is that is that the only reason or is it because of the work that Republicans have done to paint him as incompetent and old, too old and all of that?
1: Yeah, I think it's both. I think that we've seen Biden's had pretty low approval ratings with young voters. And I think that my thinking about that has been that it's largely because, you know, his his age and it, it not seeming like he's totally with it. And so I think that that really does hurt him with voters and particularly with young voters. And so I think that Republicans have had a lot of, of success, both attacking him on inflation and the economy, but also attacking him on, you know, his age and, and competence. And, you know, voters do want there to be, you know, new, younger voices in politics. But so I, I think that is part of it. Yes.
2: You know, I mean, we 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 live in a visual world these days. I mean, whether whether it's on television or TikTok or 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 anywhere else, visuals visuals count for a lot. And it's while you know, it's clear that we're dealing with a lot of older people in politics at the moment. You've got. Joe Biden, you've got Nancy Pelosi and Steny and Clyburn and Trump. These are all people in their late 70s. And young voters, at least traditionally, and correct me if I'm wrong by talking about traditionally, are not exactly excited by midterm elections and seem to, you know, trying to turn out young voters is always one of the one of the fraught. Challenges that certainly Democrats have faced. If only the young voters would come out, we'd be doing better. This year we're gonna really be able to turn them out. Oh, yeah, this is the year that they're finally gonna come out and vote. So we've just talked about how our younger voters are casting a sideways glance at Joe Biden. And but we've had the Inflation Reduction Act. Terrible name, by the way. IRA. I mean, who wants who wants to I mean, IRA, it should be put more money in my pension if you're calling something the IRA. But but it has a huge climate provision. I mean, huge climate impact, 40 percent reduction in emissions, something that young voters and progressives have cared deeply about making progress on climate. So so on the one hand, if I look left, I see the aging Joe Biden if I'm a young voter. Now, I look, however, to my right and I say, Yay, look at what Biden and the Democrats did on climate. Is that going to be a motivator for young people and progressives? Or are they going, is it a shoulder shrug? Eh, oh, yeah, okay, not enough.
1: Yeah, I think that it is helpful. I think, you know, I. I am also skeptical that we're going to have, you know, fantastic young voter turnout these midterms. I think there's there's always a lot of hope and then that, that's often crushed about young voter turnout in midterms. But I do think that it helps and it helps that we didn't have, you know, a failure on this. The fact that we got something done, we got a climate bill done. I think it's going to have a real impact on our politics because there's been so long that, you know, activists and young people have, have been pushing for this and it just hasn't happened. So I think that there will, I think that, you know, it's hard to say exactly how high salience this issue is for, you know, for young voters, because I think there's a huge activist community that is extremely concerned about climate, and then regular voters somewhat less so. But I think it has some impact. I think that, you know, and in the long term, just Democrats showing that we can get things done, that we can make government work. Whether or not it makes a huge difference in the short term, it's really essential in the long term for arguing why people should support Democrats and why young people should support Democrats, that we really can get things done. And it really is different having Democrats in office as opposed to Republicans in office.
0: And to pick up on that theme, you've actually done some work with a polling firm that we're very familiar with, our friends over at Impact Research, looking specifically at the infrastructure bill, which is sort of the forgotten achievement of this Congress and the Biden administration, and is extremely significant. It's it's sort of the white whale that Donald Trump chased for four years, never got close to catching, and that Democrats in Congress, combined with, I will say, Some Republicans in Congress and the Biden administration managed to make happen, and it's a really significant, historically significant and and economically important achievement. Now, you pointed out, you and the, the team at Third Way, that voters are extremely unaware of it, and Democrats aren't really leveraging it effectively toward any political benefit. What did you find, and is there something that Democrats can do, given this very tenuous link? between achievements in Washington and electoral success?
1: Yeah, so the big top line number that got the most attention out of this poll was that only 24% of likely voters know that the bill passed, that the infrastructure bill passed and is law, which was very eye-catching and definitely very upsetting for anyone who was involved with this legislation and for Democrats in general. So I think that it it is hugely important that Democrats... You know whether or not passing legislation is going to have a huge electoral impact. It's extremely important that Democrats do sell their accomplishments and make sure that people actually know that these accomplishments exist and are law, and benefits are coming to them to actually help them. So that's sort of the first order of business that we found in this poll. That's very important. And in terms of what we actually found is most popular out of the bipartisan infrastructure bill, we found better, ro- better roads, cleaner water. And below that was faster internet. Were the sort of top top provisions from the bill. Voters also liked that it involves made in America, and that, you know that it'll materials will be will be used that are made in America. And they also liked that it will create jobs that don't require a college degree. And so it's pretty straightforward. None <laughs> of that should be super surprising. That's basically just straightforwardly what the bill does. And so I think it's going to be important that Democrats sell what they've done and they don't overcomplicate it. They they communicate what is in this popular legislation that they've passed.
2: So more data points in polling point to the Dobbs decision and abortion actually being a, a more potent motivator for engagement for Dems with a with a big advantage in favor of the Dems over Republicans. Are you seeing that also in your polling?
1: Yeah, so I think that the Dobbs decision has been quite beneficial for Democrats. And if you just look at the ads that Democrats are running in swing districts and swing states, you can tell that Democrats recognize that this is, you know, going to be that, that this is gonna be important for them to lean into. I think Republicans generally do a very good job of portraying Democrats as extreme and themselves as the reasonable ones. And this is a very prime opportunity for Democrats to point out exactly how extreme Republicans are. If so many Republicans running in these swing districts and swing states want outright bans on abortion, I mean, that's very extreme and it's out of line with what the public wants. And so um, the Dobbs decision is, is quite beneficial, I think, for Democrats electorally and I think Democrats will very much lean into making that argument. I think it's it's a motivator for the democratic base, but I also think that it helps Democrats with undecided voters help to convince them that Republicans are extreme and Democrats are the the more reasonable party.
0: Yeah, I mean one of the things that has plagued Democrats in recent years, and especially in the last year, is that political nature abhors a vacuum. And so if there isn't a cohesive brand and message, which is something that Paul really, really evangelizes for, then Republicans love to kind of step into that breach and provide it and and vice versa. And so in general, in recent years, what we've seen, we saw a lot of this during the presidential primary, is if you have Candidates, if you have high profile candidates on the Democratic side who are coming at things from all over the map, and you have super duper progressives and you have centrists, then it gets kind of confusing for voters, and Republicans get to kind of label. Democrats with whatever they want, whatever whatever benefits them the most. And we definitely most saw that on display in the last year around Build Back Better. Democrats didn't have a cohesive position. And so Republicans could kind of fill in and and, and say whatever they want. It feels to me like what you were just saying about Dobbs is generally true, not just of the abortion issue, but just kind of writ large for Republicans right now, because they've ended up with high-profile candidates carrying the banner for them across the country that are of very mixed quality and that are all over the map. Some of them are kind of generic, cut from normal Republican cloth Republicans, and a lot of them are kind of right-wing MAGA warriors who are, you know, in favor of things like no exceptions whatsoever to abortion bans and they question the the election results from 2020 they are pretty far out there how much does that factor into the current environment and what you expect to play out in the midterms is is this kind of mishmash of frankly poor republican candidates and that's not me saying it that's Mitch McConnell saying it how much is that playing into what we're seeing
1: yeah so I think that candidate quality in general can only help so much. And that's why we've been talking so much about about Biden's approval rating, because Biden's approval rating is like below 40 percent in these states. You know, there's only so much that, you know, a candidate, a Democratic candidate is going to overperform. But this year, the Republicans have big candidate quality problems in states that are very, very closely divided, like Pennsylvania, Arizona and Georgia are very closely split, split. Swing states. And so the few points that a Democrat can gain against a weak Republican challenger because of that candidate quality issue can really swing these races. And so, with a 50 50 Senate and weak Republican candidates and pretty strong Democratic candidates in a bunch of these swing states, it makes a huge difference. And I think there's been a lot of discussion of Ohio, which is, you know, JD Vance has been not running the best campaign. And Tim Ryan, I think, has been running. A very strong campaign. And so there was an article out recently about how the National Republican Senate committee is now putting a bunch of money into Ohio, which they I'm sure would really prefer to not be doing because they had hoped that that would be a safe seat. And so the fact that they have to be moving money around like that, and not spending it on the toughest swing seats. Um, is quite good news for Democrats, even if they're not even if it's unlikely that Tim will end up winning in Ohio. So this candidate quality thing is really a big deal.
2: I just saw something come across my feed from Cliff Schechter. And he his 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 latest his latest little posting is Mitch McConnell pulls television advertising in Arizona, Pennsylvania (laughs) to go to all in on Ohio. What what do you make of what's happening in terms of the RNC pulling out of some places and, for example, in the Senate races and focusing on Ohio, following up on what we were just talking about?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's honestly shocking. You know, in a year where there's a, a Democratic incumbent president who's not particularly popular, Republicans should be plenty fired up. They should be having very little trouble raising money. So the question is, I mean, I think that probably some of these candidates are having a harder time than they should be raising money because they're bad candidates. I think also Trump and his lack of generosity with giving any money that he raises to the RNC is definitely hurting them as well. And also, it seems like there's been some bad mismanagement of funds by Rick Scott at the RNC, so at at the National Republican Senate Committee. So... Um, that is brutal for them and great news for Democrats. I mean, money isn't everything, but it definitely says a lot that they have to pull ads at a pretty important time in the campaign.
2: Let, let, let me just say, I am so tired of, of you Democrats blasting <laughs> Donald Trump about money. I mean, the poor guy is facing problems and he needs a legal fund. So, So just just back off, folks, and 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 let him, you know, he's he's got problems and he needs the money. Come on.
1: Yeah, he, I really, know. he really
2: doesn't be that guy.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. Hey, let me this is a quick one. This is totally out of left field. A weird thing about economics is that the extent to which people expect there to be inflation actually affects whether there will be inflation. And there's a little bit of a parallel theory in politics which is people like to be on the winning side. And so if you expect one party to do well, then there's a tendency for people to break late toward that party if they're kind of on the margin or if they might turn out or might not turn out. On the other hand, you can have complacency set in where if you're pretty sure your side's going to win, you could say, eh, doesn't really matter if I turn out or not. Do you see this vibe turn having either of those effects? Emboldening Democrats, you know, or people kind of on the margin to 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 show up and be on the winning side, or maybe getting a little bit complacent?
1: Yeah, it's really, really hard to answer that, honestly. I mean, I was looking at some historical data from 2014. So Democrats are up half a point in the generic ballot right now. Democrats were also up by a little bit in the generic ballot at this point in 2014. And so there's plenty of room for things to just go south for Democrats from here. And so I I definitely want to caution against too much much optimism. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, (laughs) before the last couple months and and the recent successes Biden has seen and, and Democrats in Congress have seen, it was really just all bad news for Democrats. There was just It was just headline after headline about disappointment and, and, you know, failure to really get anything done and the high hopes that we had coming into this administration and that they didn't come to fruition. And so that environment is really not an environment where voters who don't always turn out would feel excited about coming out to vote. And so... It's definitely looking better now. Having some successes, it, it provides a reason for people to come out to vote when they might not have otherwise. And so I wouldn't say that necessarily everyone's going to jump on the bandwagon now that and come out and vote for Democrats now that the, the IRA has passed, but we're better than where we were.
0: So we've got about a minute left in the show. I'm not going to make you make a prediction because that's unfair. That's unfair to do to anyone. <laughs> but I will ask you, as an expert who tracks all of this stuff. What are you watching for? What do you think are the most significant things that you want to see in the next six or eight weeks? Is it all kind of gas prices and inflation or or what are you keeping an eye on?
1: Okay. Well, the most immediate thing that I'm going to be keeping an eye on is, so we have some elections in New York tomorrow, And there's a special election in New York's 19th district that Biden won by four points. And so that is going to be quite a good barometer, actually, for how people are feeling right now. The special elections are, are, you know, they're they're like the most accurate way to figure out the the tenor of things and where voters are going. So we definitely tune into that although it's probably going to take forever for those results to come out. I'm going to look at Republican ad buying. How is their their money deficit impacting their spending? I'm going to be looking at inflation and gas prices, as you mentioned, seeing which direction Biden's approval rating is going. Does this boost continue or does it look like maybe it was just a dead cat bouncing, as your Republican said. said. And also, since I'm kind of a pessimist, I, I pay attention to some of the Republican polls coming out. Like I saw a Trafalgar poll out a couple of days ago, showing a bunch of Democratic Senate candidate candidates up. And so that gave me hope that even a Republican poll like that would be showing Democrats in the lead. So those are some things that I'm paying attention to.
0: All right. Well, we will be watching all of those things along with you, Eliza Astro, Third Way. Thanks so much for all of your expertise.
1: Thank you so much for having me.